find this, if you're using a pew Bible, you'll find this on page 1598, page 1598, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, reading verses 19 through 22. <clears throat> Hear now the word of God from this passage. Quench not the spirit. Despise not prophesyings. Test all things. What is good? Abstain from every form of evil. My friends, this is now the third message in a three-part series on this on, on these four verses, 19 through 22, as we're, um, as we're approaching the end of our series in the book of 1 Thessalonians. And in these four verses, as we have seen, Paul and company, Paul, Silas, and Timothy, exhort the Thessalonians to be spiritually sensitive. When I say spiritually, I mean with a capital S to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. In this set of four verses, we see this need to be spiritually sensitive. As we saw in verse 19, we are sensitive to him, to the Spirit, when we don't quench him, like throwing water or, or something else on a flame, but rather when we kindle that flame when we encourage that flame, when we feed it with oxygen and with, with fuel. So we are sensitive to him when we don't quench him, quench not the spirit. We are sensitive to him when we do not despise prophesyings, when we do not despise prophesyings, despise not prophecies. And we are sensitive to him, to the spirit, when we test Whatever ideas are coming our way, because the Holy Spirit has given us an objective standard, the Word of God, by which we can test whether things are true or are false. And we are sensitive to the Spirit speaking in Scripture when we put these principles into practice and when we test whatever philosophies or whatever ideas are out there. Now, the city of Thessalonica, this major metropolitan area, 200,000 people or so, a port city, as we've noticed, on a major uh, military and commercial highway, the Ignatian Way, this city of Thessalonica was tossed to and fro by false gods and false religions, and false ideas. And so you had the Greek gods there on Mount Olympus, about 50 miles away. They could see it, of course. They could see the so-called home of the gods, Mount Olympus. But if you know anything about Greek gods, you know one thing, and that is that Greek gods and goddesses were fickle. You couldn't rely on them. They, were, they are totally the opposite of the true and living God who is unchangeable. But the false gods, these Greek gods and goddesses, were fickle. They could be one way one day, and they could be another way the next. Furthermore, 
the Greek philosophies were false. Now, sometimes these philosophical schools might approach the truth in some measure, so they might reflect certain things. Certainly, we talk about the laws of logic, for example, reflecting the, reflecting the fact that God is a God of truth. And so you have, in philosophical thought, you have the ideas of uh, A is not non-A and, and so forth. And those are, those are useful tools. But fundamentally, or overall, if you will, all of those philosophical schools were sadly mistaken. Whether it be the ones who would, like the Epicureans, who say, eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow we may die. Or uh, some of the other ideas, the cynics, the skeptics, you know, can't really tell whether there's a God or not. Or the cynics, the ones who were very cynical about life and sort of the beatniks of their day, if you think of the 1950s. Okay? And so, fundamentally, the Greek philosophies were false. They were wanting as well. And so it's in that context, then, that we have these four verses of being sensitive to the Spirit. <clears throat> so two weeks ago, we considered... Uh, verse 19, quench not the Spirit, a reference to the third person of the Trinity, Father, Son, and Spirit. Each of, the, each of the persons of the Godhead, each one is totally equal to the other. And yet, as we also mentioned, the Holy Spirit is the person who eternally proceeds from the Father and the Son. In the same way that God, that the Son of God is eternally begotten by the Father, so the Spirit eternally proceeds from the Father and the Son. Don't quench, we are told. Don't snuff out. Don't douse the Spirit. We can do so via disobedience, or we can do so by means of turning away from the gospel and not paying heed to that testimony of the Spirit. Quench not the Spirit. Then verse 20, despise not prophesying. Don't despise, but of course positively do respect the prophesying, the prophecies. We talked about what is meant by those prophecies. It is that they are the prophetic word in a variety of forms. In the New Testament era, the charismatic utterances that we see, but then also the written word inspired by the Holy Spirit, so that the Bible then is a living word, it's alive and powerful, as, as the writer of the Hebrews says. It's alive, it's quick, it's meaning it's alive, it's powerful, and it's sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. How many times? Have I, how many times have you, I'm sure, read the scripture and just been cut to the quick? Well, it's the Spirit speaking in the Word, in these inspired words of scripture. And so the written word then, as the prophecies, the prophetic word, the speaking forth, prophetic in that fundamental sense, not in terms of predicting the future, although sometimes that's true also, but in terms of speaking forth, not foretelling, but forth, F-O-R-T-H, forth telling, telling forth, telling it like it is, we might say. And so we have the written word, the word of God. But 
then also the preached word also has a prophetic prophetic edge to it as well as a in a derivative way and of course one way of despising as we noted last week one way way of despising prophesying is by paying heed to false prophecies that's one way of doing it isn't it of paying heed to the counterfeit well that leads us then to verses 21 and 22 today this third aspect of being sensitive to the spirit and that is by means of testing by means of testing test or prove all things test or prove all things now this uh, word dakimazo is used to refer to a self-examination um, Lord willing, in a few weeks, we'll have the opportunity to come to the Lord's table again. And um, you remember what uh, Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians 11, verse 28, but let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup. And 2 Corinthians 13 and verse 5, examine yourselves as to whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. Do you not know yourselves that Jesus Christ is in you, unless indeed you are disqualified? And so it can be referred to a testing of oneself. It also can refer to a testing by means of fire, by means of fire. So 1 Corinthians 3, 1 Corinthians 3 and verse 13, Paul writes, each one's work, well, he says, verse 12, now if anyone builds on this foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, those first three are good, the second three are bad, right? Each one's work will become clear for the day, this judgment day, will declare it because it will be revealed by fire and the fire will test each one's work of what sort it is. And the same is true in 1 Peter 1, 1 Peter 1 and verse 7, that the genuineness of your faith being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ. So this word often carries a connotation of putting things into the fire, as it were, and seeing what's there, seeing if it is genuine or not. Now we could use other illustrations besides a fiery furnace to test things. Some of y'all might remember or perhaps are involved now in chemistry class or might, might be able to remember years, perhaps decades ago, of the litmus test, litmus paper. And so you use that little, that little strip of paper, put it in put it in a liquid, and if it's acid, it turns red, and if it's base, then it turns blue. And so a litmus test, so you test, you see you test by means of the litmus paper. We also now just, it's, it's so, sort of common to, to say a litmus test in terms of politics or whatever. There's also the idea of fool's gold. And so 
you know, a lot of people, when they were panning for gold, they said, oh, look at this, we, got, we found gold in the stream. But in point of fact, it turned out to be what is called fool's gold. It's not the real thing. And so what Paul here is saying is test all things. Test, put them to the test, referring, of course, to these ideas, okay? Matter of fact, he says, put all, test all things, test all things. We can even say there's an aspect here of self-examination. We, we need to test ourselves, certainly, in terms of our attitudes and our actions. We need to make sure that we are genuine, to be sure. But fundamentally, he's referring to those ideas that are being asserted as true, but may not be true. And so we must test them. As a matter of fact, we are to have discernment. This is why we read today from uh, 1 John chapter 4. In 1 John uh, chapter 4, uh, verses 1 and following, 1 John 4, 1 and following, John writes, Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits, whether they are of God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. By this you know the Spirit of God, Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is of God, and every spirit that does not confess that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is not of God. And this is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard was coming and is now already in the world. You are of God, little children, and have overcome them, because he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. They are of the world, therefore they speak as of the world, and the world hears them, we are of God. He who knows God hears us. He who is not of God does not hear us. By this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. And you know, even back in, uh, in Hebrews, in Hebrews uh, chapter 5, it's kind of interesting. At the end of Hebrews chapter 5, the writer says, For everyone who partakes only of milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. But solid food belongs to those who are of full age. That is, those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. A full age, mature, to, by reason of practice, have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. In other words, Christians must have discernment. And especially if we want to grow up and to mature. Now children, I know that you don't want to remain children for the rest of your life. That would be, that would be bad. Right? That would be bad. Well, we need to grow up. And everyone here needs to grow up and to mature and to have, by means of, of the exercising of these things, to have a discernment to be able to apply the litmus test, if you will, to be able to put things into the, uh, the to examine things, put them into the fire, as it were, and see which is true and which is not. So, what do we mean by application of this? Well, all sorts of doctrine are to be examined. All sorts of doctrine. 
In case you had noticed, there are a lot of ideas out there in this world. Not everyone is true. Well, let's talk about salvation. Let's talk about salvation. Why are we saved? For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, as anyone should boast. So in other words, it is because of God's sovereignty. It is because of God's election. It is because of God's predestination, because it is all by God's grace that we have salvation. And what about the place of works? Works follow, but they are not a means of salvation. They are not a means of salvation. In other words, we are saved totally by means of faith as a tool, not by works as anyone should boast. So we need to test then. We need to test ideas. So someone comes and says, well, I think, you know, you get, you get right with God by means of uh, getting right with yourself. Eh, false. You get right with God through Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone. You don't get right with God by getting right with yourself. You get right with God through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ and through the grace of God working faith within you so that you can embrace, that you can accept that salvation that you have. And if someone says something different, run the other way. Reject it. What about worship? What about worship? We have all kinds of ideas about worship out there today. And much of it wrong, quite frankly. Much of it is entertainment. Whether it be fog machines, or rock music, or video clips, or drama, whatever it may happen to be. Much of it is just plain wrong. And so you test those ideas by means of the Word of God. What about ethics? Do you know that in the church today, well, there, there's a, a former Southern Baptist church just up the road here north of Atlanta, that has been kicked out, thankfully, of the Southern Baptist Convention. You know why? Because they want it to accept into membership without repentance those that were homosexual. It's a false idea to accept. I mean, we, we want people to come to faith, whatever their sin is, but you don't allow people to continue in their sin and allow them to be members in good standing. So there are all kinds of false ideas, even in, the, even in what had been a Southern Baptist church. All kinds of wrong ideas with regard to ethics. We can even talk about controversial matters, such as critical race theory, that is making inroads in the church today and undermining the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so the point here is that we are to test we are to test all these things with regard to salvation, with regard to worship, with regard to ethics. We're to put them to the test to see if they are true or not. And this testing is in accord with Protestant teaching. Now, Roman Catholicism demands a blind faith 
Roman Catholicism demands a blind faith. And even some Protestants sometimes demand a blind allegiance too. Our allegiance is not a blind faith. It's not a blind allegiance. It's not a blind faith. It is that which is enlightened by the word of God. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. And so we use the word of God. We have, in, we have an absolute allegiance to the word, the Bible as the word of God. Don't, don't have an absolute allegiance to anyone. Don't have that to me. Don't have that to any mere mortal. But by means of that allegiance to the word of God, we then have a basis by which to examine, by which to test, by which to prove what said is right or wrong. And so we see here, prove, test all things. He goes on to say, Hold fast what is good. Hold fast what is good. It's interesting that uh, the, the word here can also mean to, to keep or to uh, continue in prison, to hold on to, you see, to be um, almost shut up to, if you will. Hold fast that which is good. What is the good? Well, it is, the doctr it is doctrinal truth. All truth is good, but what is especially good, what is especially to be held on to, is the gospel of Jesus Christ. 2 Timothy 1, verse 14, that good thing which was committed to you, keep, hold on to, keep by the Holy Spirit who dwells in us. And indeed, we must hold it fast. 2 Timothy 1, verse 13. Hold fast the pattern of sound words which you have heard from me in faith and love which are in Christ Jesus. Hold, hold it fast. Don't let it go. A Titus 1, Titus 1 and verse 9. Holding fast the faithful word as he has been taught. Let us say the bishop, the steward of God, holding fast the faithful word as he has been taught, that he may be able by sound doctrine both to exhort and convict those who contradict. You know, the, remember the Lord Jesus in uh, the book of Revelation, how he addressed the, uh, the seven churches? It's interesting that he uses the same terminology in addressing at least three of those churches. Revelation 2 and verse 13 to Pergamos. I know your works and where you dwell, where Satan's throne is, and you, you hold fast to my name and did not deny my faith, even in the days in which Antipas was my faithful martyr, and so forth. And so you hold fast. Revelation 2 verse 25. But hold fast what you have till I come. And Revelation 3, verse 3, to Sardis, Remember, therefore, how you have received and heard, Hold fast and repent. Therefore, if you will not watch, I will come upon you as a thief, and you will not know what hour I will come upon you. So test all things and hold fast. Hold on to it for dear life. Hold fast that which is good. And furthermore, abstain 
from every form or from all appearance or from every kind of evil. Apeko in the Greek, keep away from. Keep away from. Keep away from it. First um, Thessalonians 4.3, for this is the will of God, your sanctification, that you should abstain, that you should keep away from sexual immorality. Keep away from it. Don't even give it a place at all. Hold fast to the truth, but keep away. Reject. Keep away. Look at it like a, like a, a cobra. You wouldn't take a cobra into your clothing, would you? Keep away from it, you see. 1 Peter 2, verse 11. Beloved, I beg you as sojourners and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lusts which war against the soul. Keep away from it. Keep away from all appearance or every kind of evil. Wicked thoughts, which certainly includes false doctrine. You know, we don't think of that, do we? We think of wicked just in terms of deeds. But wicked thoughts are at least as evil as the deeds. Keep away from that false doctrine, from those wicked thoughts. Keep away from wicked deeds as well. Keep away from, it says, not just from evil, but from all appearance or outward appearance, or form, ados in the Greek. All form, all appearance. We should be careful, you see, about giving offense to others. So you hear some people say, well, um, you know, um, abstain from uh, all appearance of evil, anything that looks bad. We should be careful, to be sure, about giving offense to others. But it's deeper than that. What Paul is really saying here is that we should refrain from giving occasion to sin. That's the point. And he's putting it in this, in this way, all appearance or every kind of evil. Keep away. Keep away. Jesus died for your sin. And so, therefore, how can you continue to sin? How can you entertain that? Keep away from it. All, he says here. Keep away from every form of evil. Now I have three points of application today. The first is this. Make sure, make sure that you have the proper perspective for listening to the word. See, the proper perspective for listening to the word is not so that you can feel good, it's not to tickle your ears. It's not so you can have superior knowledge and demonstrate to others how much you know. That's wrong. That's false. It's a temptation that we all have, and especially those who are ministers, quite frankly. Don't do that. Rather, why, do you, why should you listen to the word? It is so that you can be in tune with the spirit, being spiritually sensitive and conformed to the image of Christ. So make sure you have the proper perspective for listening to the word. Number two, be aware. Be aware of the great danger of those who despise prophecies 
and the Spirit's testimony. This is sort of like the unpardonable sin, blasphemy against the Holy Spirit, which essentially is without repentance, saying, just stiffening your neck and refusing to pay heed to that message and to those warnings. And this is why in Hebrews 6, 4 through 6, we read, for it is impossible for those who are once enlightened and have tasted the heavenly gift and have become partakers of the Holy Spirit and have tasted the good word of God and the powers of the age to come, if they fall away, to renew them again to repentance, since they crucify again for themselves the Son of God and put him to an open shame. There was a, some decades ago, there was a very famous evangelist who apostatized, went away from the faith, denied the faith, became an atheist. Some of y'all know uh, the fellow who had talked about courtship instead of dating. I kissed dating goodbye. He has apostatized and rejected the faith now. It does happen. In Genesis chapter 6, all the way at the beginning of the Bible, in Genesis uh, chapter 6 and verse 3, in Genesis 6 and verse 3, we read, And the Lord said, My spirit shall not strive with man forever, for he is indeed flesh, yet his days shall be 120 years. My spirit shall not strive with man forever. Romans chapter 1. God gave them up. God gave them up. They stiffened their necks. They stopped their ears. They would not hear. They despised the prophesyings, which is where our nation is right now. God gave them up. And of course, the first martyr of the church, Stephen, Acts 7 and verse 51, he said, you stiff-necked and uncircumcised in heart and ears, you always resist the Holy Spirit as your fathers did. So do you. And so, secondly then, be aware of the great danger of those who despise prophecies and the Spirit's testimony. And, it, and let me just say one other thing. It struck me in reading the Revelation 2, verse 13, about one of those churches. It struck me that Jesus praised the church for holding, for holding on. But then he says, but I have some things against you. So holding on, you see, holding on, holding fast, is necessary but it is not sufficient, is it? If you go astray in other ways. And so that leads me to the third point of application, that is this, hold on to Jesus. Hold on to Jesus. Hold on to Jesus. Because that's the only hope you have. That's the only hope you have. And hold on to, Je hold on to the full Christ, the real Christ, the God-man, the God, God come in the flesh, the one who 
gave himself for you, body and soul. And the one who saved you in order that you might be sanctified and set apart for his service. You see, that's the, holding fast to that which is good. Holding fast to that which is good is in order to hold fast to the one who is the word of God come in the flesh, the Lord Jesus. And that's the only hope we have. And so it is in that light then that we are to be spiritually sensitive, paying heed to what the Spirit is saying and what the, and the one to whom the Spirit is pointing. As Jesus said, the Spirit, when he comes, will lead you into all truth, and the Spirit will speak of me. So if you're really spiritually sensitive, you will hold on to Jesus. And that's what I urge you to do. Amen. Will you please stand for prayer? And our Father, we pray that thy Holy Spirit, the same one who brooded over the waters at creation, the same one who bears witness to Christ, the same one who regenerates, the same one who inspires the scriptures, we pray, Lord, that that same Spirit would now work in our midst and in our hearts. We pray for everyone here that thy Spirit would work powerfully, effectively, savingly. For the glory and honor of Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray.